Hallelujah. Do you feel that this morning? Haman, do you believe it? Hallelujah. Praise God. God is great. We've come to praise him this morning. Amen. Uh, what a great, perfect song. Singing praises before we talk about the battle and victory. Amen. I believe praise goes before our battle. Amen. We ought to praise God. He inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. We should praise him with all our hearts, with all our minds. Amen. Uh, there's a, there's a lacking some people here this morning. Amen. So let's continue to pray for those that are out of town, that are sick. Amen. That are just not here. We want them to be here. But as I told my wife this morning, everything I say today is, uh, is for you. And then I said, it's for me too. And it's for everybody. Because at first she was like surprised, like, what for me? Uh-oh. So it's good to be here in the house of the Lord. We're going we're gonna to go old school tonight. We're going to go back to Judges 4, chapter uh, 22. I'm just going to read a couple uh, verses, and then uh, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we'll go over that part as well. Judges 4. And behold, as Barak pursued Sesra, Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I will show thee the man whom thou seeketh. And he came, he came to her tent, and behold, Sesra lay dead. A nail was driven in his temples. Temples. Did that get your attention? We already started right out the bat. We're, we got blood. We got an enemy. We got a dead person. We got a, a, a woman who guided them, the, uh, the man that was seeking him out. We got it all right now. This is, this is it. This is, this is like, like action-packed, Holy Ghost-filled uh, uh, cinema stuff. I'm trying to pure, pure flicks kind of stuff right there. It's it. Yeah, man. So, to verse 23, let's continue. So, God subdued on that day Jabin, king of Canaan, uh, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, and uh, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. And you may be seated. Thank you, Sister Leslie, the musicians, the praise singers, the sound and the media. Thank you guys all. Thank you, Pastor. I don't say that enough up here. I think I get a little complacent up here sometimes. And then when Brother Andy comes up here and, and says, thank you, Pastor, appreciate that. I feel, oh, I feel guilty. So I always appreciate uh, being up here. It's an honor. Amen. All you ministers, everybody, and, and, and everybody else that has gone up here. Let's run a little background on the first part of Judges chapter 4. In the beginning, it said this, and the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Because of this, it says the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin the king. So we got to get these characters, uh, these bad actors uh, familiar. We have Jabin, who's the king, and God sold the children of Israel. He, he performed a... Um, a tr not a treaty, but a, um, it could have been a treaty. It could have been uh, something, a plan, a strategy to get the children of Israel sold to Jabin. Then we have uh, Sisera as well. We have Jael. We have Barak. And we will talk about someone else in just a minute. Because of this, uh, he they were sold Canaan the king, and there was a captain, I just mentioned his name, uh, of Jabin, like the army, the general, uh, named Sisera. Sisera had 900 chariots of iron in 20 years. He had relentlessly just, just pouring out op oppression in, uh, on the children of Israel. He was a taskmaster. And the children of Israel finally cried out to the Lord as they've done in the past. It also talks about Deborah. That's the one I did not mention a second ago. She was a prophetess who was also a judge of Israel at that time. And judges were not selected because of their bloodline, if you knew that or not. But they were appointed because of their spiritual power, which enabled them to lead and to guide the children of God, who were often caught 
in these traps of the world. We need judges nowadays like that kind of judge. We need people to pray for this world. Prophetesses and prophets to pray. And so they were trapped, and, and so the, they would guide them. Because usually these, the children of Israel at that time, and we've read so many times, they lost their way, so to say. Deborah was one of these, if not the most famous, of the judges that we read about. Praise God. There's a truth about God. God will bring victory even if he has to choose a new leader, a new strategy, a new, uh, a new point of view, a new way. He is going to be, bring victory. Amen. I, I, have you ever heard over your life, uh, some of us has grown up in the church, some of us just got in the church at a later age, some of us teenagers, some of us older adults. But we share in victory. We, we share in victory. If you're praying somebody over somebody and they immediately get the Holy Ghost, that's God. That's the prayer warriors of the church. That's everything. It's not us alone. So God sometimes designs victories no matter who the leader is, no matter who the person is. You might be teaching a Bible study and spent nine months with somebody and you come here and I lay my hands or Sister Taylor or Brother Phil or Renee, they all lay, and they get the Holy Ghost. You should worship God and praise him for that because you put the work in. But God used someone else. God used the environment, the situation. God will bring victory. The truth for us in our life is I will experience victory when I accept and I follow God's call. His call. I'm going to have victory. That's a shoe win. That's that's uh, in fact, that is God's mathematics. You follow God, you will experience victory. What is important to understand is that no matter how little or much we feel we have to offer to offer God, he is able to use us for his glory. Do you see that? No matter how much you feel, if you have a little or a lot, God can use you for his glory. In the early 1900s, uh, the leaders in newborn aviation industry were all men. The Wright brothers, you remember them? They invented there in, uh, in North Carolina. Uh, Charles Lindbergh, we know he, that he flew from um, Mitchell Field, Long Island, to, our, um, I believe it was St. John's, Newfoundland, and then from there over to Europe, to Great Britain. He was the first person to do that transatlantic. But Amelia Earhart changed all that. From a Red Cross nurse's aide during World War I to the first woman, second person to fly solo across the Atlantic and later across America, Amelia Earhart answered a call in her life. She met challenge after challenge, awards after awards, certifi certificates after certificates, licensing, and eventually she was even awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross by the President of the United States, a military decoration awarded for heroism and extra extraordinary achievement while participating in aerial flight because of all her accomplishments, because she answered that. Amelia Earhart worked hard to open the door for women to become aviators. She helped form international organizations for advancements of female pilots. Although men mainly flew at that time, no one could question her flying expertise and experience. Literally, she was a female hero to a lot of women, probably all of women, and a lot of men. And I'm not talking something spiritual here. I'm talking about someone that answered a call. I'm not talking about something that she, it doesn't say, we know what happened. She was lost. Um, uh, her plane went down somewhere, and they don't, they've never even found it yet. Um, but we, we don't know. I'm not talking her turning to the Lord or anything like that, but she overcame fear. She overcame um, oppression, if you will. Women at that time, especially in the early 1900s, they were considered some second-class citizens. Uh, they, they were, she overcame a lot. She found the calling and stepped out of her comfort zone to pursue it. She may have been a little like Deborah in Judges 4. See, God's calling is individualized. Some have heard God speak in dreams. Others, visions, Brother Locke. We talked about that last week. In Judges 4, we see that Barak received God's call through the prophecy of Deborah. 
who was a judge and prophetess in Israel, as I mentioned before. She sent Barak a direct message as a commandment from God. In Judges 4, 6-7, she said this, Go and draw towards Mount Tabor, and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sesera. Remember, we mentioned him, one of the bad actors in this, in this drama, in this action-packed filled drama movie adventure. Captain, he was the captain of Jabin's army. Remember, Jabin, Jabin was the king that owned the children of Israel. And see, uh, Sesera had these chariots and his multitudes. And, and, and Deborah said, God said, I will deliver him into thy hand, Barak. I'm going to bring this. You are going to go out and win the battle. The victory is yours. The victory is yours. Over and over we read of Israel's repeated failures to follow the Lord, which led to their oppression. Isn't it amazing? And the lessons that we have been taught and the lessons we should learn from the children of Israel is that if we keep failing, God, we're going to be oppressed. And we're going to be we're going to be pushed down. We're going to go through issues and situations. It's going to be rough. Somebody is going to take control of our lives. We see this once again in this story we just read. When Israel repented and cried out to God for deliverance, he often brought supernatural restoration. We can read that in the scriptures. But their gradual black, uh, backsliding led them into repeated abandoning of God. God again allowed their uh, adversaries to bring judgment that they might correct their sinful behaviors. God used judges, we're going to get back to judges a little bit, to lead Israel to victory and back into the relationship with God. And throughout this book of Judges, this cycle of rebellion, repression, and repentance and restoration was often repeated, or was repeated. Each time the tribes of Israel fell and became more corrupt in their conduct, like the pagan people living around them, God had to answer. Because of their sin, they did not see God this at this time, his desire to be in covenant uh, relationship with them. Eventually, some realized their sin and called on God once again. I've often, I've often wondered this. Maybe I should go to some scholars or maybe I should re look a little bit more. Was it the whole tribe, the whole country, the whole people of Israel that decided, I'm just going to flip. Oh, we're done. Or was it the elders? Was it the young people? Was it the middle-aged people? Was it the prayer warriors? Was it the witnessing? Was it people that were having hidden Bible studies, if you were in their in their homes? Who cried out when it just is the children of Israel? The, and and what what I feel, email Pearl's rendition of this, is that God heard someone's voice. And he said, I'm gonna use that voice. Because they're crying out. They have their ear to the ground. They know what's happening. I see their hearts, and I'm going to use that and come again and once again forgive the children of Israel. And I believe there, are some, there were some that were benefited because of someone else's prayers. God, full of mercy and love for his people, would respond to this repentance and bring deliverance from their oppression. We read that King Jabin served God uh, as God's judgment, all right? We understood he, God sold the children of Israel into Jabin's uh, grasp, if you will. And so that was God's judgment. When Deborah became judge, it was as this, during the same time. And Sisera, who was Jabin's strong arm, as I mentioned, for 20 years, he had gained an awful reputation, uh, reputation of cruelty. After these 20 years of oppression, Israel again, as I mentioned, repented and pled for deliverance. And God heard, and now get this, God heard their call and started to plan for victory. Uh, as I, I believe, I don't know if Andy, you mentioned it last week, but we always are preaching to ourselves first. We always are preaching to ourselves. Sometimes we, need, we want it now, but we understand God's planning. He's planning, and I'm going to get in that a little bit more of what, He's planning, and some, some of you may know, some of you may come to a first time. It was, to me, it was, of course, of course he's planning. 
while God encouraged the call and command for Barak to take action, he also steered Sisera to gather his army to prepare for battle. What? God steered Sisera? See what it is? When you follow God, not only is he designing your victory, he's designing the enemy's defeat. He, do not give up or get discouraged because he has it all under control. He, when, he see, when you see this happening in your life, don't give up at work. Why is that guy getting advanced and I'm not? Why is this happening? Why is this person here getting upset at me? Why am I in this situation right now? Why, why is this bad thing happening? Why did I slip up and do this? Well, especially in this polarized political world that we live in. God is designing something, and he's designing defeat for the enemy. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Praise God. God is designing our victory. When Deborah spoke the prophetic word to God of, of God's calling to Barak, she also prophesied the victory res would result from battle. In Judges 4, 7, he said, I will deliver him, or Sisera, into thine hand. See, when God declares victory, there's no need for doubt or despair. The conclusion has been determined. I don't know how many times, hopefully not a lot, but I've sat over here back there at other churches when a man of God or a woman of God or a prophecy gets out and said, God has it all in control. He's going to have victory. You're going to have victory. And I'm like, you don't know what's happening in my life right now. But we have to not by faith. I believe it. God is going to bring victory because when God declares victory, all right, Yes, I know we live in a, uh, we live in a realistic world, and sometimes, uh, sometimes a preacher misses it, right? Sometimes up there. But, but w what, you know, how is missing, how is saying God is going to have, bring victory to your life missing it? We can't think like that. God is designing our victory. And you know what? The troubles that you're going through right now, the problems that you had, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, something happened to you. God is designing, Sister Pearl and I were talking about this yesterday, God could be designing something for you. A lesson? A victory? Amen. A blessing? Preparation for something maybe not too good? Getting you built up in faith to be stronger? To be encouraged? And we're going to find how Barak had to ha actually have this as well. God knows every detail of our situation, our calling, our responsibility, and the ultimate outcome before. He does not speak prematurely. I think this is going to happen to you. No, he knows it's going to happen. When you hear from God, when you hear from God, he knows. It's a plan. He's designed he already sees the outcome and has anticipated every roadblock, every turn of events along the way. I know it's hard for us to let go, right? I know it's hard for us to let go. I don't expect you to let go of your steering wheel because you know God's taking control, right? Uh, but he knows the path we will take and the snags and the struggles we will encounter on our journey. He knows them, all right? He knows them. Grab that steering wheel and go along for the ride, right? Go along. You see a roadblock in front of you? I'm going to push the brakes on, God. I'm going to push the brakes on because I understand that you're in control. Amen. You're in control, and we're going to get through that roadblock. But I'm not going to do it without you, Lord. So I'm going to hold up, and God, tell me how to get around this roadblock. And he will design an escape route for you. God called Barak to lead his army against Jabin's army. And he gave, he gave Barak the strategy for the battle that would guarantee victory. Barak heard from, the, uh, from God through Deborah how he was going to win. But get this. Watch this. Despite this assurance of success, Barak resisted God's call. What do we do in church? God has already given us the plan. The strategy, yet we sometimes refuse to go to battle. We sometimes refuse to step out. 
God tells us to be a mighty warrior, a mighty witness, but we are reluctant to walk out the door. God has given us a game plan to win this world. Go you the, therefore baptize, teach all nations, make disciples of men, baptize them in the name of Jesus. And yet we still keep asking God, what do you want me to do? I, I have made a point to say, and I fully believe it until somebody tells me I'm wrong. Pastor is supposed to say, challenge, accept it. <laughs> when I walk up to somebody in the grocery store, I don't need to say, hang on, I'm going to pray to what to do before I talk to you about the Lord. God has called every one of us to witness, to be a witness, to be a light. Just whatever, whatever the circumstances. I love that. He knows my name. I go to that one a lot. The other day we were in this humongous thrift store. I don't it's some bargain lot thing. You only pay cash and they have an ATM that charges six dollars if you get it out. <laughs> it's over off Colonial. And uh, I was waiting on Renee and her sister, and I just I was just humming, he knows my name. And the girl there, oh, I love that song. Tell you about my church. Come to church. I'm right there in Plantation. You know where it's at. Boom, boom, boom. It wasn't that quick. We got to be ready. We have to be understanding. And I know sometimes life throws at us. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's our flesh. Sometimes it's a devil. Sometimes it's our flesh. Okay? Sometimes the devil's not even around you, but our flesh and our mind thinks of something, and we make a mistake, and we, we fall out. But we got to try to overcome that. And with prayer, with reading, with all this stuff, we need to overcome that so we can be ready to step out instead of be reluctant and say, I don't need to talk to that person. God has commissioned us. He has told us through pastors and ministers and, and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and, and prayer groups and grow groups. He has told us, and through, of course through the Bible, we need to be a witness. We th sometimes think, if we just sit back and wait a little longer, maybe his plan's going to change. It won't. It's commissioned. It's written down. It's there. I'm, of course, talking about witnessing to the loss, as a, a, of course, and some, something that we are all called to do without qualification. Did you know that? I'm not good enough. I'm not humble. I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy enough. I, those, are, those are words. I don't know where they came from, but those are words the devil somehow interject into somebody's message. We are qualified because we have the Holy Ghost. God, don't tell me that my God would not lay down his life for somebody he loved and he thought was worth it. We are worthy. We might not feel it. That's the flesh. But God said, no, you are. You are. I, I designed your life. I designed your battles. I designed your defeats. I designed your victories. So you will come to me, and you could become a witness. We don't need a degree, a license, or permission. We should already be doing this every day. And, of course, there are licenses. There are missionaries. There, there are callings for separate things. I, 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 but we are all called to reach the lost. Those are augmentations of the Great Commission. How am I going to reach the lost? I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a speaker at General Conference. I'm going to be a ladies' uh, conference speaker. I'm going to be this person, this evangelist. They augment the Great Commission. Back to Barak. He shared his objection with De uh, Deborah. Uh, Barak was reluctant to accept the leadership role which he had been called. He even refused to go to battle unless Deborah agreed to go with him. He wasn't afraid. He was actually brave and a very competent leader. But it appears that his reluctance may be out of admiration for Deborah's spiritual leadership and his desire to have God's presence and prophetess with him. In the greatest battle of, a genera of his generation. Last week, I saw people here that blows up that theory right there. Because I was going to say, sometimes we wait for pastor. Hey, what is pastor going to do? Is he going to come over and pray? But last week, I looked around. People were praying for people. And they were getting the Holy Ghost on the, on the, on the ground and talking and, and stuff. And, and, and all that. That is awesome. That's what we need to do. But sometimes we feel a little safer than with the man of God, the woman of God, somebody that's a mentor, somebody that's there. We feel, but you know what? I, I can't remember if I wrote this down or not. God's going to have victory. He's going to bring it. And you know what? The victory is no less or no more because you went with someone else. 
So if you went and waited for pastor, that person would get the Holy Ghost. The victory is there. But if you went ahead and prayed for them and they got the Holy Ghost, the victory is there. It's no big or no less. God is designing it. Those are, that's what I meant earlier. Who he, even if he has to choose a different leader, somebody to go out, God is going to bring victory. I, I feel that he would have been victorious either way because God was in control and had already decided the battle. Deborah agreed to go with Barak, but told him that the honor for victory will be given to a woman. I wanted to put that because this is awesome and about the Bible and the judges. The honor for victory will be given to a woman. Uh, men were in military and leadership positions, but it's important to see Deborah as a judge and a prophetess in Israel. She became a hero who brought an end to the cruel oppression of King J uh, Jabin's army commander. When God gives us his word and confirms his calling, our response should be faith and courage rather than doubt and fearfulness. In humility, we may never feel adequate. I kind of mentioned that a while ago. For the task which we are called, we may feel unprepared or unqualified for the responsibilities we have been given. However, God always qualifies the called. He will never task us with something uh, with an impossible calling. However, he will enable us to achieve goals and he gives us and accomplish his call. Paul wrote this in Romans eleven twenty nine: for the gifts and the calling of God are without of God are without repentance. God does not make mistakes. He's never called someone, Moses, and changed his mind because the person lacked the ability. Psalm 103, uh, it says this, and starting with 13, as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Let me break that down. He knows our weakness and our limitations. As creator, he knows our ability and our inability. God is with us as our, as our qualifier and our enabler. God's with us. You're not qualified. I don't have to be because God is qualifying me. But it doesn't sound like you got the right tools. You know what? God's my enabler. He's going to give me the right tools. i got to step out. Church, we need to be encouraged. Amen? How many is encouraged this morning? God's going to bring victory. God is never nervous about the outcome or worried because of a surprised obstacle that's in your way. He sees, the, he sees the end before the beginning. He knows every difficulty and problem we encounter along the way. He already has a solution. Amen. Our God will not give us more responsibility than we can carry or require for us to carry it alone. Draw courage from the promises of God's word. Right after he commissioned us to go reach the lost, he said this, I am with you always, even unto the, what? The end of the world. Philippians 1.6, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. God started it, he's going to perform it. What am I going to do without you, Lord? How can I do it without you? Well, that's how, if you're without me, but you're not. I'm with you. I'm with you. And he's specifically talking about your witness going out to fight your battles. Sometimes we get, we get all caught up with this spiritual battle about, uh, uh, you know, people in our lives, our families, our drama, and all that stuff like that. But God said that you're going to step out. And guess what? That world is a battlefield. And God's going to be with you always to be a witness. Why did he give us the Holy Ghost? The power to be a witness. He's going to be with us. 2 Peter uh, 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Amen. Praise God. Ah, don't, don't, don't short arm God. Don't, 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 don't like shortchange him. You know, don't say God can't do this. God can do it. I had a man who did our sprinkler system in, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Just a humble, just a wonderful guy. He did that for a living. He came and did the whole sprinkler system. He stood up in church and praised God for a $2 Pepsi reward that he got underneath his bottom of his thing god he praised god for that because he needed that victory that day he needed that he needed you know so you ever feel good somebody buys you a soda or a drink god just did it for him he didn't even need anybody else and i'm saying that even though it might seem small small 
But God is in control. Sometimes God chooses the most unlikely participants to work out his plan for the most creative solutions to bring about the victory. God had a surprise ending for the commander of King Jabin's army. Sesera never saw it coming. His death had been predetermined before he even entered the battle. As a bear finds honey, Sesera was drawn unto conflict out of the arrogant confidence he had that his forces and chariots of iron, they could never be defeated. That was his downfall. Deborah accompanied Barak into battle. She did. Because she understood it's still the same outcome. I'm going to come along with you if it makes you feel better, Barak. But you know you're still in charge. You're going to go out there. You're, gonna, you're in charge of your army. But if, if I'm here with you, that's okay. Because God's already, it's the same outcome. That I'm here or not. God has, I'm not doing anything different except God told me and prophesied to encourage you to do this. Without that, he wouldn't have went. And that's why she became a hero. A hero. So they went there, and, um, and Sisera rallied his forces and, and the chariots to attack. Deborah assured Barak that this was the battle that she predicted. Judges 4, 14, she said, up, for this is the day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee. Come on, church. Can you leave that up there, sister? Is that in there, um, Judges 4.14? Can you read it with me? Is not the Lord gone out before thee? You need to have that on your mirror or on your door. God's going already there. He's already designing both your victory and the devil's defeat. Barak, hasn't God already done this for you? Be encouraged. That is the simple question. And it gave Barak courage to prepare for a battle that day that looked impossible. There is no way they could hope to overflow the Canaanite forces by their own strength and their limited weapons. The enemy horses and chariots, they could run them down. You know, you've heard the stories. You've seen movies even. All this with a chariot just run over people. And, and, and of course, Israel, they were, they were a, a subdued country, so they didn't have that. But they had a heart. They had a leader. They had a prophetess, a judge. So God was several steps ahead of them. The Lord went before Barak. It was like they were fighting an invisible host. There was confusion, and, and it frightened even the well-trained warriors. That's God. The enemy abandoned their horses, and they fled. And the, the chariots were useless before the hand of the Lord. No one to guide the horses. The horses just went their way. The Canaanites retreated for their lives. Barak's army pursued them and slew them with the sword. Judges 4.16 said, all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword. And there was not a man left. Church, don't tell me God will not fight for you until your enemy is destroyed. Don't tell me he won't go all the way through with you. Don't tell me he's not going to see you through. He will see you through. He will make sure the last enemy has fallen. That last obstacle is out of your way. That last circumstance has victory. Br break up. Uh, don't, uh, Barak, I'm sorry, break up. <laughs> I knew I was going to kind of get his, uh, his, his name a little bit wrong. Uh, I blame it on my contacts. Barak was up against a physical army. But you know what we might be up against? Rejection. Oppression, depression, failure, ridicule, and fear. We might be facing health issues, financial troubles, family drama. God can conquer any of those things, but we must be willing to answer the call he has placed in our lives. We read in the beginning of this lesson in the chaos of the battle. Sisera abandoned his chariots and fled on foot. He was intent on escaping capture or death. He could expect no mercy. I mean, he had to leave. He, he, these people aren't going to give him any mercy. He's going to die because of all the things, he, all the cruelty that he inflicted on his people. He, he wasn't going to get it. The enemy, the devil, understands that his time is limited. Do you, you understand? He understands his time is limited. So he's going to do extreme things. He's going to go out of his box or his, even his comfort zone to try to get you to fail. 
when a saint of God makes up their mind to follow God's plan, there's not a power in hell or earth that can prevent victory. You see, more of us, the more of us that do answer that call to overcome obstacles in our lives as well as in others uh, to, and bring them to Christ, the devil will be confused and not know what to do because his time is coming to an end. Cesaro was confused. He didn't know what to do. He didn't have a chariot. He didn't have an army. He had to run. Why can't we cause the devil to do that too? Why can't we do something crazy? Pray. Teach that Bible study that you wanted to do. Witness to that person you never have. Just because they look like they're, an, they're just they're a brick wall. Come on, let's get real. A stubborn old man or woman. They look like, you know, your boss or somebody that, that you can't really approach. Just because that God sees victory. God or God sees defeat in your enemy. It's not up to us anyways. We don't need to feel this way or that way. We reread that Sisera fled to where uh, he thought was a safe place. But a woman named Jael intervened, and God used her to drive a nail in his plans. Literally. Church, there's too many times we let the enemy dictate our lives. There are too many times we let the enemy surround us. I think it's time we turn the tables on the devil and confuse him. To say, you're not going to do that again. You got me once, not again. You've had me long enough. We've put up with your oppression long enough. It's time that you're the one on your heels. Our lives are not yours. Amen? Come on, how many believe that? Our family is not yours, devil. Our prodigal children are not yours, devil. Our kids are not yours. They were bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he always goes before us in victory. Amen. Not today, devil. Not today, Satan. Not today. You're not going to do that. God has a plan, and he wants us to go out on the battlefield, and he will take care of the rest. The Bible says that the tent nail or peg went completely through Caesar's head, that it was driven into the ground. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have done that before. But I'm sure it takes a lot of steadiness, strength, and stealth. Just like he gave strength to David that, and guided that stone that killed Goliath and gave, and gave, gave him steadiness in, in the bear and the lion, I believe God gave Jael the strength and composure to do this deed. It, it, is, it is very difficult to hurt somebody. To hurt somebody, you have to be emotionally unstable at that point of time or angry or very precise and steady to do something to that magnitude. And a woman that God designed this, you, you can go back and read it. God designed how she invited him into her tent. She was the, the chief, the village's uh, leader, the chief's wife. I will get you water. Uh, what do you need? Water. You know what? Instead of water, I'm going to bring you milk. I'm going to stand here at the door and watch over you while you sleep. And then she killed him. Sometimes we don't feel like we have the mindset, let alone the tools or abilities to answer and do what God has called us to do. But we should always remember and be encouraged that God has it already planned out for you. I know we've been in the church for 50, 70, 80 years. I know maybe we've been in the church for five years. Maybe we've only been in the church for a couple years. Some, but we all in the same boat. Sometimes we forget that God has a plan. When we're talking on the phone, when we're talking to our friends, when we're saying that, oh, I'm discouraged, and you're feeling discouraged, God has a plan. God has a plan. And may I say, when we're complaining, God has a plan. God has a plan. Complaining has never won a victory. We just need to walk out on the battlefield. While our battles are often more mental, emotional, and spiritual, we can have the same confidence in God's ability. We are not carrying around a, a tent stake and a hammer. We are not doing that. Sometimes our battles are different. Or are they always, mainly most of the time, 99%, they're different. We don't have to really fend for our lives like they did back then. 
But we can have the same confidence in God's ability as Deborah and Barak and Jael did to bring victories of deliverance. Jesus Christ fights our battles and pushes back against every effort of the enemy. Paul wrote that in the experience that that the experiences of Israel were set for us. They, they their their messages. Do you ever wonder why preachers talk about Old Testament? Because the messages in the Bibles were meant for the new church, this church. We are to follow their examples. First Corinthians ten eleven. These things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for an admonition. Amen. Our faith is in God. No power can resist him. No foe can defeat him. With the Holy, uh, with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are p- a powerful force for good. Answering the call of God becomes a natural response. And all things become possible through faith in him. If you haven't got your feeling, your refilling of the Holy Ghost to, to fill you up, to encourage you, to replenish you, to give you refreshment and restoration, you need a, a dip, a, a, a dip, a sip of the Holy Ghost. You need a dip of the Holy Ghost. I'm, I don't can't think of the word, but you got to get some Holy Ghost in you. You got to get some Holy Ghost. Well, I, I, I pray at home in the Holy Ghost. Okay. But you know what? It's okay. We, that's why Paul talked about tongues and stuff so much. It's okay. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the Holy Ghost because it's your prayer language to God when you're praying. When you're praying for somebody, it's okay. But you need to continue to be filled with that. How many of you have ever uh, gone, gone away from the Lord for a little bit? Right? Let's stand. We need that refreshing touch of the Holy Ghost. Feels so good, doesn't it, Brother Richard? Feels so good when you finally realize, when your when your mind is unclouded, when you, when all this distractions, all this addiction, all this stuff is out of the way, that you don't have that anxiety, that chest, that that pounding heart all the time. It is so good to do that. Well, guess what? The Holy Ghost prevents that from coming back. You've heard the old simple analogy, the more Holy Ghost you got, the less devil can get in. Right? Makes sense to me. Every parent has probably used that rhetorical question more than a few times. How many times have I told you? Sister Allie, you ever say that? Nah, she... How many times have I told you? Sometimes it seems children just don't listen. They forget or they're testing the boundaries again. When things don't work out well for, and their disobedience catches up to them, their parents find themselves scolding the children again. How many times have I told you not to throw the ball in the house? How many times have I said no cookies before dinner? How many times have I told you not to ride your bike on the street? My mom never told us that. You know, I, I grew up in the 70s. If, if we weren't like a mile or two away from the house, there was something wrong with us. But you don't understand what I'm saying. Don't do that. You're too small. You might get hit by a car. Maybe that's the way God felt about the children of Israel. I do not want this. I did not mean for this to become a nursery class right here. I'm not belittling us. But look at the children of Israel. God's promised people and how they fell time and time again. Maybe God will say, haven't I told you that before? How many times can I tell you? Or just remind them. He reminded them of the commandments and called them to obedience. How many times has Israel resolved to do better but failed? As a loving parent, God sought for those who would embrace his covenant and commit to his commandments. He planned victory and success for all those who simply follow his plan. Even though Barak was apprehensive about the battle, he still obeyed God's voice and he stepped out into the war zone. Maybe you need a friend. Maybe you need a friend to step out with you and say, Sister Leslie, you got to pray with me. Because, I mean, I, I feel God's called me to do something, but I need, I need a prayer war, a partner. Maybe I need somebody else. God already has the victory. Maybe that point in time, you don't feel like you should just step out by yourself. Grab somebody. But not, don't not step out. you got to do that. 
Church, this may sound harsh, but if we don't answer God's call on us because we are scared or apprehensive, we are being disobedient to him. If you really feel you have a call in your life to do something other, I mean, we all have that call to be a witness. There are some called our ministries pastors and missionaries and evangelists. Uh, others that um, augment, as I mentioned before, the Great Commission. But we are all called to be a witness. And if we do not answer this call, we are not being obedient to the will of God. Over and over, God has assured us of his great love. God has promised victory and an overcoming life to everyone who submits to him and desires to become his disciples. How many times has he told us, I love you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We all have the assurance of his love and the promise of his victorious outcome. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? Let's worship God right now. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for going out before me, God. Praise God right now. I know how the story. Come on and give him praise this morning. Do you need something from God? Hallelujah. See ya. Lord, we need your victory today, God. Thank you, mighty God. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, to you, Lord. I'm going to see you. Come on and get your victory this morning. Victory. I'm going to see a victory. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight. Come on. God wants to fight your battles for you. He wants you to step out in faith. 
This is how I fight my battle. This is how I find my Hallelujah. This is how I fight. Come on, say it again. Say Oh, this is how I fight my Yes, Lord. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight. I declare Satan defeated. Satan defeated. Satan defeated. From the battle, Jesus. Come on, say this is how. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. Oh yes, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle. For the battle. Yeah. Lord, my hope is in you. Lord. My trust is in you. I'm, I'm going to see it. I know I'm going to see it. I'm gonna see you will not deny me your word. No. You will not deny me the spoken word. Come on, sing it again one more time. Say, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see victory. I can see it. I see the victory. I see the victory. Come on, say, I, uh, I see it. I'm gonna see. I already see it laid out before me, Lord. I know you have a purpose and a plan. Hey. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are amazing God. You are a mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, who's... Whoever is born of God, O come with the world. This is the victory. This is the victory. Amen. Aren't you glad God sees? He knows. He plans. He's not only planning our victory, he's planning the devil's defeat. Amen. God has orchestrated all. God bless you. God, let's have an awesome church. God is in control. Church.